Welcome along then to another big match build-up show. And this episode is once again sponsored by OneFootball. Do make sure you check out the excellent free OneFootball app to keep up to date and notified of all the latest transfers, scores and stats all in one place. To download the OneFootball app, click the link below the show. So two games for Saints this week amongst transfer window and Crystal Palace on Wednesday night and winter is well and truly here just in time for our favourite annual freeze fest at Burnley this Saturday. So on this week's double episode confidence is contagious as we head north and stay tuned for a coach's technical perspective on Nathan Redmond's influence and why he's so important to Saints right now. And as for the opposition, Burnley are on the bounce too, going through a claret patch of their own, and I speak to the No Name Never podcast. I'm confident now. I really am confident in the boys. I think that the way that he's got them playing, the way that he's got them working, you know, if this fixture would have been under the previous manager, I'll be honest with you, I'd be fearing the worst. But there's no reason why we can't go out there, get a positive result or a positive performance and maybe even all three points. We won three games back to back against relegation rivals and we were absolutely robbed of the fourth straight win away at Watford, who are in seventh and absolutely flying. So we should have come away from that actually above you in the league with, with four wins on the bounce. So, you know, expect Berlin to be equally as, as confident and, and perhaps be able to give the, give you a game. So do stay tuned later on in the show for your bite-sized away guide for Burnley. And as usual now, the episode is available to download in the card above my head. If you're watching on YouTube or available on most audio platforms below the show. So enough of that then. Time to kick off our big match Burnley build-up as Saints head to Turf Moor. So welcome along then to our first half of our big match Burnley preview show. Two games this week, but joining me once again, really happy to uh, introduce once again back on the show. We haven't seen him for a long time, but working closely, working hard as well alongside Matt Letizia himself at the MLTNC and Jody Rivers. Really good to speak to you. How are you been? It's been a long time since we spoke. What have you been up to? Yeah, it has been Fred. Um, just... Um been um, obviously coaching uh, down at the um, the academy, um, which has been fantastic to see the boys and the girls develop. So yeah, more, pretty much more of the same, really, Fred. And how was your trip to Bilbao as well? I mean, it's it's, it's hard to even sort of think about the the hot climates of that sort of weather when we've got a freeze coming over the UK at the Ooh. moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was I was very very fortunate enough that that was set up by Matt himself. Um, he went uh, to Bilbao. He was given the loyalty award because obviously where Bilbao um, only produce, well, they produce their own and you have to be Basque to play for them. And did you, I don't know if people know that are watching the show, but only um, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Athletic Bilbao, the only teams uh, never to be relegated from La Liga. So when you think about, you know, about producing their own and um, just from the Basque land and the Basque country, it's quite incredible. So they, they reward loyalty and who better to reward than our, our main man himself. So he um, obviously had the contacts over there and I was very fortunate enough to go out and spend some time, um, well, I've seen the first team right the way through to the, the academy. So it was, a, but yeah, it was very much a, 
warmer climate when I was there three months ago, Fred, for sure. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll leave a link uh, in the card so people can go back and watch that video from a couple of months ago for over on your YouTube channel as well. So yeah. go over and yeah. check that out for the insight uh, for Atletico Bales Academy as well. But uh, back to home matters, though, Jody. Uh, double game week this week and uh, Crystal Palace quick in the memory or I suppose in our case of a recording this just before kickoff we've got to predict the outcome uh, our best missed it Meg impression so um, we've got to assume there's either you know three points that moves us away from the drop zone we go to 14th above Palace but you know we said it off off screen just a second ago let's not use C words around here let's not use no. the word comfortable yeah well, I think if we if we manage to get six points from the next two games, then I think comfortable will be the word. I think that will pretty much ease relegation fears. Um, since I last spoke to you, I was very frustrated, and I know some of the other fans were with the style of football that we were playing under the old manager. Um, you know, it was very much the same, and in, in, you know, there didn't seem to be much idea. There didn't seem to be much discipline, or or even heart and desire from some of the players, but. The new man has come in, um, and I've got to be honest with you, I didn't take to him as quickly as some of the others did. The first couple of games, I sort of looked at some of his tactics um, and substitutions. But I say, in a way, Freddie's trying to get used to the squad. Um, I was a little bit disappointed with the Man City team as well that we put out. I'm a believer, you know, there's no free hit. When these pundits sort of say it's a free hit Saturday, because you've got Manchester City, for example. I don't believe in that. A game is an opportunity to get three points. So I'd like to have seen us attack them a little bit more. However, since then, he's been a revelation. I like the way he talks. I like the way he's got the, the players disciplined. He seems to have got the more senior players on board as well for me, um, which was crucial. I think that the other the other managers didn't seem to have that. So the fact that he's he seems to be getting the better out than the more senior ones gives the youngsters when they come in a better opportunity to be blooded in because what you don't want to be doing Fred is bringing these youngsters in under pressure with senior players you know maybe not happy or not giving 100% I don't think any professional ever not gives 100% on purpose but I think that when you've got things on your mind and you're not happy but these these senior pros have really stepped up and it's helped the youngsters yeah and and what it is uh, the the intensity has been you know uh, magnified i suppose and everybody's really buying into the, his his philosophy whether you're a senior senior player or or a younger player you know and we'll get to transfers in just a moment as well but you know i suppose whatever the outcome on uh, wednesday night and you know we, we still maintain and we're still truly upbeat um hasn Hooter was has has got a much better record than uh, and Hughes had in his entire time already in the quarter of the time that he's already had and despite only sitting sort of a point better off at, at this stage last season we're really positive for things to come i think what I, what you've read in the press as well when you hear him speak what i like about him is that he talks about discipline so i know that he's the first in at the training ground he's pretty much the last to leave I'm not saying. I, listen, I, I I don't know. You know, I must make it clear that I'm I'm not. A, you know, even though I'm fortunate enough to go to Staplewood occasionally, I'm not there on a weekly basis or a daily basis to really sort of give any insight into that. But what I do get the gist of is that I think that Harsen Hurtle, rather than talk about the old managers, he set the he sets the example, the way he acts, the way he talks, the way he's disciplined around the club, the way you know he's sort of like I said before, galvanised those senior players. So. We're very much optimistic, and it was like when Pochettino came in; he was a look relatively unknown. And but I think this one, when it when it happened, has excited a few people. What he done at Leipzig is really good. But yeah, I mean, he's hit the ground running in 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 a sense that 
he's given a little bit of faith back and the Southampton way seems to be back and I think that's the most important thing that's exactly right and, and the pathway I suppose has been reopened and, and perhaps you could you could even sort of draw examples on your approach approach to the football coach always you know uh, sort of uh, developing these youngster players from how was it seven years old all the way through to 16s you know onto professional football as well and we've seen a lot of senior players now depart for whatever reason for attitude for footballing reasons and the managers put faith in the youngsters and we all love it, but what would you specifically put that sort of success down to? Well, I think that when the Southampton way was promoted by the club, you know, when you look back at even even under Nigel Adkins, but particularly when we got back to the Premier League, we talked about, you know, Nigel Adkins when Pochettino gave a lot of faith to the young players and he does it at Tottenham as well. Um, you know, maybe if he was at a different model at Tottenham, uh, he would have more success there. But um, what he done at Southampton was great and it seemed to stop a little bit under Ronald Koeman I think that Koeman one of the reasons he went was because he wanted to buy a little bit of um, success by buying players but it doesn't always work and for a philosophy to really work I've always said whether it be coaching whether it be playing or any business you need to produce your own and I think these young players have not been given an opportunity but even when they have been given an opportunity too much expectation has been put on them They've been, been playing in a team, like I said, with senior pros that maybe weren't playing, like I've said, 100%. But now I just seem to think that the Southampton way's back. I mean, you know, his first selection to put, you know, Jan Valerie in and Kane Ramsey into the squad. We've seen Tyreek Johnson, Callum Slattery, Sam Gallagher's got a sniff again, Femi's played. You know, all of a sudden, if you'd have said to us three months ago, we're going we're gonna, to, you know, get rid of Cedric, we're going to get rid of Davis. We're going to get rid of Gaviadini. We're going to get rid of Hoot. And we're going to replace them with players coming through. People would assume we're doomed. But I think that what's good, you know, with praise for the senior players, these young players, their enthusiasm has brought something to it. It's when you're coaching a session. I always say that coaching the older ones is, is, is sometimes quite harder because they're at an age now where they don't want to talk or they're a little bit embarrassed to ask a question. Whereas if you have the little ones come in when they're six, seven, eight years old, they're bubbling, they're full of enthusiasm, they don't care whether it's raining, <laughs> you know. And I know it's a little bit different with the first team, but I think that what's happened in a different aspect is these youngsters have come back in to the fold and I think they've actually gave that, that little bit of enthusiasm and running and trying and trying to impress the new manager and I think the senior pros have responded to it and what it is as well we're also in that season now of course January window by the time we kick off on Saturday the, the window will be closed it closed on Thursday after the Crystal Palace game and yep. um, this week also reports suggesting that Charlie Austin could be on his way out he may already be leaving by the time we kick off but you know reports suggest that uh, we're in for this Birmingham striker Che Adams likened to Troy Deeney but Hazen Hootel said for a couple of weeks ago that whoever we sign he must be a long-term fit and you know we're battling also this weekend's opponents for for Che Adams' signature and Che Adams looks a good a, a very good player and I think we do need a different option up there I've you know I think that Charlie first and foremost for four million pounds if we were to sell him now, you know, the fact that we bought him for four million pounds, he's been he's been good business. He's been unlucky with injuries. I don't think that um, he's ever really got going in the Saints show. Just when it looked like he was going to score us lots of goals, unfortunately for him, um, you know, injuries or, or lack of form from other players who so we've had to change the system, for example, hasn't helped. But Charlie, if he has gone by the time this goes out, goes with his head held high. You know, I think he's a fantastic character around the around the training ground. 
Uh, he's obviously well liked by the players, the staff, and obviously the fans. So, but sometimes, sometimes, Fred, you know, these these things come to an end, and it's right for both parties. I'd like to see Charlie go and score goals uh, for another team, and he'd be welcome. Obviously, it goes without saying, he'd be welcome back by the club at any time. But I think we do need a different presence up there. Um, I think that with Gabbiadini gone um, and and Charlie potentially going, there is obviously space for another one. And I think that with the emergence of Redmond, who I'm sure we'll come on to in a moment, uh, as a striker, um, I think that, yeah, someone up there to take a little bit of physicality off off, off the, the quicker players, if you like, would be good. And Nathan Redmond, it's almost we're sort of like we're saying this now, it's almost unprecedented sort of last season, but this season really he's in the form of his life, scoring every other game, bringing a, a true influence. And last season we were berating him, but there were certainly a lot of people giving a lot of yeah. stick and Nathan Redman yeah. is, 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 a, is probably the first name on the team sheet. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I've got to put my hands up now, Fred, and say he's, he's proved me. Well, he, no, I, no, he hasn't proved me wrong. I always thought there was a player there. I always did because, you know, the recruitment that the club do, some of it, okay, some of it hasn't worked out. But we knew what we were getting with Redmond and, you know, a player that's quick and pace, but with pace. But when the ball went to him under the previous managers, Fred, his first thought was fear. Now, with that, he would take a touch and his first thought was to look to play to a midfielder, set to Bertrand and almost didn't want to take a player on. It was... Only this season, and Hughes does deserve credit for this. Harsen Hurtles came in, I think, and taken Redmond to another level, and I think he will take him um, onto a level even further. But Hughes and his coaching staff do deserve credit because this start of the season, when Redmond got the ball as a winger, the first thing you want him to do is take a positive first touch and attack, whether that be attack the space and behind a fullback, and rather than run into midfield and then lay it off, he now looks to you know, to, to dribble himself and go. Emergence as a striker, I think has been fantastic. You can't play him as a one, as a centre forward, as an old fashioned number nine. But if you're playing with two up front, he's perfect to play uh, up there and play on the shoulder of the last defender. But honestly, Fred, I, I he's gone from being um, a player that frustrated the life out of me to now, without a doubt, you, the, he, he, well, there's no question about it for me. He is the first name on the team sheet. He is he is a constant threat. Um, like I said, is you know he looks to be playing with confidence. He looks to want to take players on. And I'm going to make a bold statement now. I had I've got three statements now that I hope will come to fruition. When Pochettino came to the club within a few months, I said that he would manage Manchester United or Real Madrid. When Virgil van Dijk came to the club and he was playing under Koeman, I said that he would go on to be the best defender in the world. And I think that those two are realistic. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make another one. I think Nathan Redmond will go to the Euros with England in 2020. But the reason being, Fred, Hughes deserves credit, but I think him and his coaching staff, whether it was Mark Bowen or whoever was there, they took Redmond aside. They had one-to-ones with him. But Harsenhurtle was a coach. He's not just a manager, he's a coach. And you can tell that he's, he's, you know, his stride patterns between the ball when he's dribbling, his body shape when he receives it. I've noticed now that he receives with the inside of his foot when he takes the ball away from people. So it means he's got more control of his body and the ball. Little coaching points, mate. And I just think that under Harsen Hurtle, under the current coaching staff, I do believe that Redmond will, will, will flourish 
And I'll ask you a question. People will laugh at this, but it's my opinion. I watched Chris Sutton on a show the other night. You know, he was saying that Van Dyke's the third best player in the world and people were laughing. Hmm. We're all entitled to our opinions. But you tell me, is Raheem Sterling much better than Nathan Redmond? Raheem Sterling's had the best coach in the world with him. Now, if Harsen Hurtle can coach on the similar line to that, I'm not saying Harsen Hurtle with Pep, but if he can get that coaching, if they can improve him technically, I don't see the massive difference in the two, Fred. All right, well, there you go. We'll put it down in the question, in the comments below. Then let us know if, you, if, you've, if you've made it this far as well. Let us know if Redmond is, in fact, better than Raheem Sterling as well. But, you know, Redmond is, you know, it gives us excitement on Saturdays now or, or yes. Wednesdays, yeah. perhaps against Crystal Palace. But interesting you say that about Nathan Redmond. Actually, you know, I think at, from a coach's point of view that not, not a lot of other people would uh, would point that out, that his techniques, that the way that he receives the ball and takes the player on. Back to the weekend, though. Uh, it's an annual freeze fest. Obviously, there's a, there's a cold front snow coming across the UK as well and it's about that time of year that we do play Burnley and it's set to yeah, be about yeah. zero degrees once again it was the first game of the season nil-nil uh, and last season you could say a very important point in the scheme of things but we're on an upward trajectory now you know some might say Burnley are two winning three out of the last four exactly and I think if I'm honest with you it's a tough game to predict let's be honest you know without you know, stating the obvious, this one could go either way. And I think that this is a real test of Saints' character. If we were going to Old Trafford or if we were going to Anfield, um, like I say, I don't believe it's a free hit. That's not my opinion in football. But I think that people wouldn't expect us to get anything. We'd have, you know, the, probably wouldn't have the majority of the ball. Whereas against Burnley, we are expected to go up there and 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 and, and be positive and try and win the game. I think that going there at this time, uh, the way Burnley are playing under a fantastic manager. Let's not, you know, forget Fred that they've struggled a little bit. They, you know, every every no club's got the right just to win games of football, let alone Burnley, just because they got into Europe, you know, last year. So it's a tough place to go. It will be like the elements. It's the old-fashioned, you know, rather than Stoke on a Tuesday <laughs> night, can we do it at Burnley on a Saturday in February? In, in, yeah, in February, but. It's a real test of the char- the lad's character, but I, I'm confident now. I really am confident in the boys. I think that the way that he's got them playing, the way that he's got them working, you know, if this fixture would have been under the previous manager, I'll be honest with you, I'd be fearing the worst. But there's no reason why we can't go out there, get a positive result, or a positive performance, and maybe even all, all three points. Yeah, I mean, so Burnley will be a... It will be a difficult time. Um, they're on a, a bit of form too at the moment, but we look unrecognisable since the first game. You know, we're full of confidence, but is it too early to say this is a six-pointer this weekend? A win would certainly e- ease some relegation woes. So I do think this is a six-pointer. I think if you know if we can come away from Burnley with three points, you know, a, a six-pointer for those that you know maybe the younger um, viewers might not know. You know, if we beat Burnley, we get three points. They get they they can get three, and it's as simple as that. So it takes us away from them. Um, I think that this next, I think that you know the way we're playing, if we can pick three, two, two or three wins up and a, and a couple of points, over I mean, the next next six seven games, I think that's us safe. Um, and therefore we can build for next season we can blood more youngsters we can not just blood the youngsters but get the systems right and start to find out a bit more about the players but not getting ahead of ourselves Burnley is going to be a tough tough game I'm a big fan as as I've already said of Sean Dyche I'm a big fan of Burnley I think that they'll get through this season I think they'll stay up and I think that you'll see us 
competing with them in the mid-table, hoping to get into Europe possibly next season. I've got the faith back. I think that the way, like I say, the way we're playing, but also the way the clubs, the club seems to be run again. You know, I'm going to be very biased, but bringing Matt Letizia in as an ambassador <laughs> to boost everything, you know. But it does though, mate, doesn't it? But when you've got these young players there, we've seen it at our academy. You know, when Matt comes in, he makes a difference, Fred. He's got such a presence. You know, he's, you know, if you're still training one day and I don't know, maybe it goes, everyone at work goes a little bit flat from time to time. And all of a sudden you look over and you're a young player or you're a pro and Matt Letizier stood there. Do you know what I mean? And you've already got Calvin as part of the squad, you know, as part of the first team staff as well. I just think that the club have, have made some, you know, behind the scenes, I think they've had a lot of stick you know, with some appointments and, and probably rightly so, and they'll put their hands up. But I think, you know, over the last, certainly the last couple of months, they've done a lot of positive and they've noticed that our club, you know, what we are again. And all of a sudden I feel a little bit of excitement going back to St. Mary's rather than thinking, oh, here we go again. Mm. Well, the positivity seems to be contagious at the moment, but uh, the weekends, you know, we, we said this on our previous uh, show build-up uh, to, to Palace, it was almost sort of unthinkable to think about nine points over the next three games. Let's assume, hopefully, we've got three points yeah, against Crystal yeah. Palace, three against Burnley, three against Cardiff. That's us rightly comfortable away from the drop zone. But this weekend, prediction... And sign us off uh, where we can find you as well so people can keep up to date with you. A prediction this week, I'm going to go, I think that uh, we've still got a little bit of defending to do. So I do think we'll concede. I think that Arsene Hurtle, you know, is working on that, particularly defending from the front. Um, so that, so I'm going to, I do think that we are, by, li- you know, likely to concede, but I can see us winning 2-1. Um, I'm not going to say the scores, um, <laughs> but, you know, we'll, I'll go for a 2-1 win. Lots of positivity. Um, yeah, and you can check us out on, um, obviously, the Facebook page, Twitter page, Matt Letizier, Natural Coaching. Excellent stuff. Really good to speak to you again, Jordan. Hopefully everybody's uh, enjoyed your, your details and your, and your insight to some of the coaching techniques as well. But really good to speak to you, and hopefully we'll speak again soon. Cool. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Fred. Huge thanks again then to Jody for joining us this week. Hopefully you've taken something different from our conversation this time round on how Redmond is such an influential figure for Saints. But really interesting to find out a uh, coach's perspective. And if you want to keep up to date with Jody, find him on Twitter or if you if you're under 16 and you can find him at one of the local Matt Letizier natural coaching sessions. So do get involved where you can. Anyway, if you are heading to Burnley this weekend, here is your bite size away guide. Firstly, if you're driving up and back on the day, it's an early one. It's a cold one. And do be careful on the roads. If you're on the trains, be aware there are Northern Rail strikes after 5pm on Saturday and will be particularly busy on reduced services going out of Burnley and perhaps even further afield from Manchester down south. And if you're after a match day point, the most important thing for me anyway, and almost every recommendation that I've uh, scoured the internet for, it suggests you head to the cricket club just next door to the football ground. Pies and pints are cheap. Or 
if you're after some fine ales. And I hear the Bridge Beer House in the city centre is recommended and listed in Camera's Good Beer Guide. Only a 10 minute walk from the ground from there too. So there are some options, but enough of that then time now to speak to our opposition. And because we recorded this just before Burnley took a point at Old Trafford on Tuesday, it might be a little bit off in places, but nonetheless, it is a game neither team wants to lose. So welcome along then to our second half of our Burnley big match build-up show and we've got a familiar face once again. We spoke to her right at the beginning of the season. Seems like such a long time ago, but time flies in the Premier League. Natalie from the No Nape Never podcast. Really good to see you again. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good to see you too. Well, I mean, I suppose this, this season... Um, it's been a stark contrast from last, I suppose. You know, last season, the highest ever finish, seventh in the Premier League for Burnley. I mean, now you could say, back to regularities down at the bottom, what do you put it down to this season, I suppose? This is the, this is a natural season for us. I actually, I flipped that in its head and say last season was the anomaly, not this one. Um, the reality of life for clubs outside of the top six and certain for clubs like Burnley, Huddersfield, Fulham, clubs like that, um, is that you'll be in a relegation battle last year and, and the fantastic season we had last year doesn't change that. And Deitch was very clear about that coming into this season that just because we finished the seventh last season doesn't just suddenly turn us into a, a different bracket of Premier League club. And the reality is, is that for the foreseeable future, until either investment opportunities change or the money cascading down the the Premier League changes, we will have this every single season. I suppose you you, you could say that the cliche is that you might have been hindered by your Europe, Europa League cameos, but it's taken you a while to get going this season, really. I mean, this this I suppose this month of January over Christmas as well, you've you've hit a, a little bit of a, a claret patch, if you like. Um, <laughs> You know, winning, winning a few games, uh, creating a cushion from the bottom three as well. And that's giving you a bit of confidence to, uh, to to push on for the final half of the season. Yeah, definitely. And I, I love that claret patch. I'm going to steal that if you don't mind. I'm going to use it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think I've, I knew this was going to happen as soon as it started. And it just happened over and over again. And then if I'm brutally honest, I'm a little bit bored of answering the same question by a lot of people every single week of saying, oh, Europa League really scuppered you. And I, I don't see how it could have done really because Dyche didn't use the first first team to start those games he played the reserve side so there's no excuse then for the poor performances of the first team in the in the league I think yes of course I'm not naive enough to suggest that it didn't impact in a small way but I don't think it was the it was the sole reaction I question whether there was any complacency in the side and whether or not um, there was a feeling of oh well actually it's quite easy to survive in the Premier League now we've done it twice and now it should finish seventh and maybe the same um, fear at the beginning of the and the same edge at the beginning of season they maybe got themselves in a situation where they felt that they could ease themselves in gently whereas we know you can't do that you've got to set off uh, with, with all guns blazing um, I do also question whether or not there's been any break in the tight unit in the dressing room that there maybe was last season um, this is purely my speculation and it's not anything official or anything that's come out of the club but if you look at the achievements that this squad made last season um, um, you've got players in our side like Ben Mee, Sam Vokes, you know, those Ashley Barnes, players who, as much as I adore them, aren't getting snapped up by a top six side. They worked so hard last season and were rewarded with, champ- with a, sorry, not champ- 
Champions League. That would have been cool. Uh, with Europa <laughs> League football and didn't get to play any of the games. Now, you're not telling me that that didn't have an impact on the intensity and the drive and maybe perhaps a relationship with the manager. Um, that added with the the perceived Joe Hart complication of him coming in as well. And I just think we were out of sorts. Now, the problem we've got is that that, will cripple you if that goes on as long as it did for us I'm still not convinced we're out of it yet we are only three points clear and as much as it's looking a lot brighter than it did I'm still not convinced that we will survive um, I just hope that those that we'll a, learn our lesson from that early um, season grumbles and that we've not given ourselves too much of a hill to climb well, I suppose it, football's full of cliches and, and perhaps, you know, we could get on to the FA Cup later on as well. But, you know, perhaps the, the second half of the season, you could be boosted by a signing or two. And, you know, Sean, <laughs> Sean, Sean Dyche has, has actually been in the uh, the press the last couple of days and said it's been really difficult to even think about sort of uh, bringing somebody. I mean, where, where would you say you need to strengthen? You know, you've got a really tight squad. First and foremost, we ain't signing anybody. Um <laughs> The, 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 the main thing for me is that we started this season um, as with our stock as highest as it possibly could be. Sean Dyche was the miracle manager that was touted for top six jobs and possibly even the England job one day. Burnley had finished best of the rest and we had a Europa League campaign and we still couldn't attract anybody to come. Um, and, and, you know, that doesn't help by the fact that we go out into the market and off, offer 50p and about... 10p a week in wages um you know we're just not we're just we are really poor in the transfer transfer market now i'm hoping that that's been strengthened by the appointment of um a new operational di- i think it's an operational director who's come in and he's going to oversee transfers i think for me sean Dyche was too close to the transfer um structure and he had too much of a say on who came in and who didn't to me i think your manager identifies your targets and then just leaves it to the board so if we're not going to sign anybody in in the beginning of this season who's going to come to us in january when we're out of the europa league and we're now back battling a relegation battle that said i think the i think this team is probably looking stronger than it has done for us and with the emergence of our young um winger dwight mcneil suddenly the the urgency i think for a wide man has gone we've now got four players who can play wide and you know you can only play two of them in any one game and assuming we can get all four of them fit at any one time I think maybe the the uh, urgency for that position has gone so for me the, the main position that we need is a striker we've got four fantastic strikers but they are all championship strikers um, and that's no disrespect to them Ashley Barnes is God in my eyes I absolutely adore him fans know what I feel about Sam Vokes you know I love these players but we don't have any Premier League strikers at our club so perhaps um, January isn't the, the time to go and buy a striker but if we can maybe look to one of the top six or eight clubs and see if they've got a decent striker that can come out to us on loan that to me would be um, a perfect perfect signing I suppose what it is you can also put down your, your upturning form you're being boosted by the return of your, your captain you know your number one Tom Heaton and you mentioned Joe Hart this sort of uh, I suppose a charade in his uh, I suppose transfer earlier on the season but there's no surprise that you, you, you've you upturned some form and, and Tom Heaton made some terrific saves and actually earning you some points uh, over the last sort of four or five fixtures Yeah absolutely now I think we've got to be very clear here uh, two things to be very clear Tom Heaton isn't our number one keeper Nick Pope definitely is um, so I think we were all waiting for Nick Pope to get fit which we believe is only a couple of weeks away and you know Tom Heaton may very well lose that, that number one jersey to Nick Pope again because he was incredible for us last season and um, 
Joe Hart's a funny one in that if you look at his technical ability on the pitch, he probably didn't do that much wrong. Um, he also made some fantastic saves. And in the early games, at the beginning of the season, he was stopping us getting beat 5-6-0 and only getting beat 1-2-0. or two nil. So, he, you know, on the pitch, he probably didn't do anything wrong. What has become really clear is that Joe Hart just is not a man's man and he does not have the support of the team. And he certainly doesn't have the support of his back four, which is absolutely fundamental when you're a side like Burnley that's set up to defend. And that's what we're famous for, of being very stingy, keeping people out and trying to nick one on the break. Um, it's little things like, you know, Joe Hart could make an amazing save and none of the back four would go and give him a high five or a fist pump or say, well done. It was just, they just didn't even acknowledge that he'd made an amazing save. And similarly, if, if Ben Mee put his head on the line and took a, um, a ball or something like that, Joe Hart wouldn't reciprocate and say like, oh, well done. The very first game that Joe that um, sorry, Tom Heaton comes back in. He makes uh, a clearance straight away, and all of the the back four are on him. He's clearly massively popular, and he has that relationship. So if 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 it didn't do anything technically, but all it's done is just bring that strength back together, the back four, then it was obviously needed. Well, I suppose you could say Joe Hart's reputation precedes in the the yeah. in the in the sort of the, the way that he left Man City. He wasn't favoured at all. But I suppose if we, you know, before we get to the weekend, you, you do play Manchester United on, on Tuesday night. He's won eight straight games and, and what threw in the FA Cup. And I suppose you've not had too much uh, luck in Manchester re- recently. Obviously, a, a, a defeat at the weekend, another... Uh, defeat to Man City, quite damaging, you could say, but I suppose you could say you're going to be back to full strength side on Tuesday. And I suppose in the grander scheme of things, you know, Saturday is a far bigger fixture. Oh, absolutely. And I don't think any of us are expecting to go to Old Trafford and get anything. We know the depressing reality of life outside the top six is that you expect to lose all 12 of those fixtures and then you just pick up what you can and and your season is defined by the games that you can win at home against those outside the bottom, say, 10 um, and certainly trying to beat the ones in the bottom four or five away from home. So I'm not particularly concerned about Tuesday, albeit I'm kind of fed up with going to Manchester and getting a hiding (laughs) in the moment. It's really kind of depressing. I work in Manchester as well, so it's it's really great going into work on a Monday morning and I've got to say, in fact my PA is a City fan I'm really looking forward to tomorrow I really am um, but yeah it's <laughs> it's one of those where Dyche doesn't like Cups whether it's League Cup FA Cup Europa League it just doesn't seem to perform very well I don't know whether or not his tactical ability lends itself very well to Cup knockout competitions I think he maybe prefers the longevity of a league and the long game um, Tuesday night you know we, we, we've hit them at a time where they're playing incredibly well confidence in their camp is as high as it can be if it's not 5-0 again on Tuesday night I'll be massively surprised but it doesn't really matter because home against Southampton is is where we need to get our season back on track well and this weekend it is set to be the annual freeze fest in February as Saints visit um, Burnley I remember, <laughs> I remember last year our friends we could barely feel our fingers and it's going to be three degrees again this weekend but uh, I suppose last what? year it, it was uh, you know Southern, southern soft touches, you could say, but who knows? <laughs> um, but last year it was it was an important point for Saints. And what do you think it's going to be this weekend? What's your prediction? Really tough. Um, I would have much preferred to be playing you a month ago than I am now. Um, you've obviously found yourselves a little bit of form. You've got that swagger back about you. Let's be realistic here. I never ever expected you guys to be anywhere near the bottom three at the end of the season. Pretty similar to last year. I know you guys panicked and you're having a bit of a roller coaster of a ride in the last few seasons. But you might flirt with the bottom three and you might struggle to, to get yourselves um, away from that in that bottom three in the in the early stages. But you're never going to be anywhere near them. And at the moment, around 
around sort of anywhere in the top 13 is probably your natural position, albeit it might take you a little bit longer than most to get there. Now, at the moment, um, you, obviously, you come into players with a renewed enthusiasm for your game. Your players are playing with a bit more confidence. You're finding the back of the net and you've had some fantastic results to bounce. So I'm actually expecting you to come to us with a feeling of, right, well, we just need to win this because this is a massive three points. You and I are obviously, um, our teams are very close in, in, in the league. So it would be a good opportunity for you guys to put some distance between us. That said, we will also think the same. You know, taking aside the games against the Manchester sides who are in the top six, which quite frankly don't really mean anything. Um, we've, we, won, we won three games back-to-back against relegation rivals and we were absolutely robbed of a fourth straight win away at Watford who are in seventh and absolutely flying. So we should have come away from that, actually above you in the league with with four wins on the bounce. So, you know, expect Berlin to be equally as, as confident and, and perhaps be able to give, the, give you a game. So actually, a draw this sounds like a real copper answer but a draw wouldn't surprise me but it equally wouldn't surprise me if either side takes the win all right well i think it's fair to say we would take a point at burnley you know considering your recent form as well but if there's any burnley fans perhaps that haven't subscribed to your your show if you're if they're listening along to this uh, this video or you know uh, downloaded the uh, the episode uh, just let everybody know where we can find you really good to speak to you again no problem at all. It's always a pleasure. Burnley fans, you can find us at net, which is our website and our Twitter handles at never. Uh, you can listen to your usual podcast providers and find us on Twitter and on Facebook. Great stuff. Really good to speak to you and hopefully we'll speak again next season as we both retain our Premier League statuses. So thank you very much then again to Natalie from the No Nay Never podcast. Make sure you head over to their social pages, give them a follow for all of your Burnley needs. But that does wrap up this week's second episode and perhaps a little longer than usual. But thank you very much for watching along and listening too. And if you're heading to Burnley this weekend, take a spare set of fingers, wrap up warm and do take care on the roads heading to and from Turf Moor. Can Saints come away with an important victory? Let us know if you're going. Tell us your predictions in the comments below. But only one thing left from me to say is, come on you Saints.